The date is Friday, November 6th, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. In this episode, we'll discuss the TV series Avatar The Last Airbender, and briefly discuss The Legend of Korra, too, wagering our best guesses into why this marvel of a cartoon fell into obscurity despite airing on Nickelodeon. Enjoy! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Entertain This. And who the, oh hell, was, who the hell was that? Enter- entertain oh boy, This? Does it feel good to say those words again? Oh my god. It is me. Is the long-awaited this... return of Michael. It's is Michael. Is this an, a nostalgia trip? Am I on some sort of a hallucinogenic drug? Or could it really be our boy has returned from war? I'm back! He's Your back. Boy, that boy's back! back. Not only is he back, but this is your episode to host, too, so this is all your show. Oh, yeah. I'm diving right back into the thick of it. What a triumphant (laughs) way for you to return. Yeah, and I I spent quite a bit of time during my break, and I just want to be open and clear. Uh, I did not leave to dodge the draft. I did not flee the country. Uh, I don't know what you all heard. people these lies? I don't know what you all heard, but... uh, so to be real for a second, uh, I ended up leaving the podcast because I was dealing with some mental health issues and uh, physical health issues. I was constantly getting sick, um, and I was also in the middle of transitioning to a new job. So among all that, left uh, no time and or willpower to uh, record for the podcast and be a actual contributor to it. Um, so out of respect for these two fine gentlemen... Uh, because I knew I wouldn't be able to give it my all for a little bit, uh, I decided to step back, take a little break, and take the time to gather myself, uh, both mentally and physically. Yeah, all that was not uh, our business to be saying, so we ended up coming up with the ingenious uh, narrative that you were (laughs) (laughs) instead fleeing the draft by hiding in the one place the government would never look, the deserts of Arizona. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so they say. Uh, Or wait... Wait, no, wait, that's the truth. What you were saying was the cover-up. Uh, so okay, say. now, now <laughs> I've confused myself. Um, but in all seriousness, uh, just as like a tagline to all of that, uh, if you feel at any point that you need any mental health help or anything, do not be afraid to get therapy. Therapy is so wonderful and can help incredibly much. It can help a lot. Um, it's good. It's yeah. Good. <laughs> um, all right, so we're jumping back in to entertain this mode, and I've been taking a lot of time during my time away to think of some pretty good topics. And yeah, yeah, yeah. During this break, I went back to uh, what I am now considering one of my favorite TV shows of all time, um, and hopefully during this time I get to explain why that is uh, and why I think you all should consider it as such uh, as well. Uh, we're going to be talking about. Avatar The Last Airbender, as well I'm as shocked. The I'm Legend shooketh. of Korra. We're going to be talking about both. Um, and why so I want to. Yeah, and why I think they're two of the. Well, I consider them one and the same. Why it's one of the greatest series on television ever made. So I want to give the listener a little listen in on uh, kind of how we run. Because earlier today, you text us and you were like, I got two things that we can do either we can do this or we can do avatar the last airbender and nick was like do avatar and at the exact second i sent well the other thing sounds cool 
and we had no idea which one you were bringing to the table today because we tied and we were like well <laughs> do whatever you want we guess good luck well after thinking about it some a little bit more today uh instead of you know actually working um i yeah none of us do that, that we really? all just we all just kind of go to work and then think about the podcast <laughs> and then come home yeah and uh, I, I end up thinking like, okay, which one can I be a little bit more off the cuff on? Which one needs more research? Uh, and overall, which one am I like more passionate about? And there were like legitimately things that I thought about that like during the show that made me like actually cry while watching the show. Oh, wow. Ooh, um, damn. Yeah. So like there was some stuff that like whether that's out of elation or like just empathy for di- like different characters or whatnot, um, this show makes you feel feels uh real heavy with jumping into that i'm just going to give some a little bit of encyclopedia style knowledge on it so that way you all for anyone who isn't familiar with it this way if i say any terms or Anything directly related to the show, you all actually know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, So, we have Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. So, these are one in the same series, but The Legend of Korra is kind of like a sequel series to Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'll kind of get into how that works. Um, So, Avatar The Last Airbender is a show that originally aired uh, on Nickelodeon uh, back on February 21st, 2005. Uh, oh, yes. It had uh, four, three or four seasons. I can't. I think three seasons. Um, that eventually ended uh, with the last episode airing on July nineteenth, two thousand and eight. Uh, the Legend of Korra, the sequel series, uh, first aired on April fourteenth, two thousand twelve. It had its final debut on television on August first, two thousand and fourteen. So, like, they had episode nine of season three so in the middle of a season they stopped airing it on television um nickelodeon did moved it exclusively online to uh where it had its final airing date of december 19th 2014 uh and that already kind of brings up like a really weird little topic about like why did nickelodeon stop airing this on tv which we'll get into in a little bit um so what is this like what what is so special about this world um so for anyone who doesn't know avatar takes place in a world where there are some people called benders uh who are able to control or bend different elements uh uh and by doing that they're able to do it through like uh different unique forms of like martial arts and the, these different like forms of bending kind of make up the entire like base of the world uh so there's like you can bend water um which as i'm going through these i'll give like a quick little listing of like what these different uh elements do like what it's kind of based on what its role in the world is so you have water which is like a a versatile form of bending where you can manipulate like all like water in all different kinds of forms so you have liquid like snow ice you can manipulate fog and some other crazy shit that comes up later on in the series. Uh, and the style of the martial arts is like more fluid and graceful, mimicking the flow of water. All about uh, taking your defense and turning it into your attack. Um, 
it's very heavily based off of Tai Chi. Hmm. Um, yeah, which in and of itself is also based off of the flow of water. Uh, and in the setting, it is used by the southern and northern water tribes, which are like loosely based off of like Inuit populations. Um, and these exist fittingly at both the North and South Pole. You have earthbending. Uh, earthbending relies on like fortitude and strength, uh, where you would rather block your opponent's attacks than dodge them. Uh, it is known for like generally having like very heavy and short movements, uh, and it has like a very strong distinction between offense and defense. So it's not like water bending where you're kind of flowing between the two. It's like you are either attacking or defending. Uh, and then this is based off of um, Hungar Kung Fu, uh, which is like which it prioritizes like having a very strong wide base uh, and stance, and uses a lot of techniques that are based off of like animal forms, things like uh, horse stance, where it's like you have a wide base as if you were riding a horse, or tiger claw, where you are using a half open grip uh, instead of a full fist punch. Um, and this is used by the Earth Kingdom, which is the largest and most populated sovereignty in uh, this world. And because of that, it has a bunch of different like styles and techniques uh, because the people are very varied. Um, then there's fire. Fire is a very intense and aggressive form of bending where you can manipulate fire. And it actually is the... Um, the, a very unique form in this world because it is the only form of bending that actually can generate its element. So you don't actually take fire around you. You shoot fire from like your hands and feet or breath, things of that nature. Hmm. Um, this is based off of like Northern Shaolin Kung Fu uh, and which is known for having like strong uh, kicks, swift punches, uh, and it has a very big emphasis on both power and speed. Uh, in the world of Avatar, it's used by the Fire Nation, uh, which is like a gathering of different islands, which is ruled by an absolute monarchy um, and ends up being the main antagonists of the first series. And then you have air. Uh, air in this world is the element of freedom. Airbenders focus more so instead of combat on spiritual enlightenment through detaching themselves from the physical world. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they are incapable fighters. No, they're actually one of the most capable. Um, they're known for a style of fighting that is very flexible and focuses on finding the path of least resistance. So using things like being very close to your enemy, being able to dodge very quickly around them. Um, it's loosely based off of the, excuse my pronunciation, uh, Bagua Zhang style of martial arts, which is right. also... Yeah, which is it's also known as circle walking or eight trigram palm. Shout out to uh, Naruto because there's some very strong connections to some characters from there. That could uh, be a whole nother episode. Oh yeah, <laughs> Naruto. Uh, and so this is all focusing on movements that use the entire body with like smooth coiling and uncoiling movements of the torso, as well as like some dynamic footwork, open hand techniques, punches, and throws. So now that we've kind of gone through all of the... Oh, and then it's also used by peaceful air nomads. So which these are like different... A large monastic order of people that kind of live at these like different temples that are at the four different points of the world. So like north, south, east, and west. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah. So now that we've kind of so, gone through all the... Go for it. So they're all from different like regions and stuff. My question would mm-hmm. be, is this something that you're trained to do, like the bending... Um, no, or is it is it something that you're born into? No, and yes, um, you can only bend if you are born able to bend. Um, okay, so it is hereditary by it some is, means. Yes, but you can only be good at it if you train at it. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so you have seems... to have the innate ability, and then you have to be trained to mm-hmm. be able to do it. Okay. Yep. Yeah. This is a this is a foreign concept to me because I'm very much a Western boy. I know Western mm-hmm. history. The eastern side of yeah. world, the world is like completely alien to me, so I don't know. Like you're saying, all these like ancient Chinese kind of and yeah, Japanese. basically like think of different like fighting styles from different kung fu movies yeah. that people use. So like uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, like Bruce Lee is no like he has a famous saying like "Be like water." Mm-hmm. Uh, water can adapt to whatever it is, whatever it's in. Uh, that is kind of like a, a similar philosophy to the water style of martial arts in this yeah. um and so like the the way that this all kind of culminates is like water benders uh can use the water around them to create like water whips or take like debris of ice and like th- like shoot that at people or Ow. even if like they can actually like freeze people uh like freeze their feet to the ground yeah um earth benders generally uh they can like take giant like piles of rocks or like a giant boulder and like throw it at another person or they can like bend the the earth up to create like a prison around someone and right. uh, fire is fire is mostly like regular fighting but like also with punching like shooting the fire out from your punches and kicks yeah and the uh, fire nation's always being buttholes from what i remember because i used to, i watched yeah, the, yeah. the original series like in 2005 and yeah. I guess I kind of wandered away from it, like around 2007, because I was like, "What is what is all this?" I didn't understand it. I was just watching it because everyone else was watching it. So yeah, <laughs> it's good to know yeah, all this stuff uh, that you're bringing into the the forefront now. Yeah, and like it, for anyone who also watched this when they were younger and don't really remember it, or like you, Nick, didn't really get too attached to it, I would heavily recommend to go back and watch it now because um, that actually kind of goes back to like why Nickelodeon uh, moved it to online only. Um, Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra are very unique shows as far as Nickelodeon goes. Oh, yeah. Um, Big time. Because I would not say, only for the... I would say that they're great shows that had a poor execution on an executive level. <laughs> okay. And yeah, the reason I would I say I would, that I would say for I would say to clarify that more from a marketing perspective. Yeah, so okay, like yeah. the the problem and I was one of those people who like as a kid I watched a couple episodes. I watched enough episodes that when I grew up I was like, "Oh, I need to go back and watch this because there's when something I was a there." Kid. Yeah. Right. The problem was was that the kids who were watching it, all the other shows around it, all the other cartoons that like drew you to the channel, um they were all one-offs. So they were like not Con- like continuing stories right um, or if or if they like, were it was meant for like ages between like eight or like even like five to like 12 i can't even think of another cartoon that was on during that time period on nickelodeon that was like a continuing storyline that there, if you missed an episode you were confused yeah, yeah there really weren't but they're like they it was like surrounded by like spongebob 
and like mm-hmm. I and like iCarly or Drake mm-hmm. and Josh. I guess Drake and Josh could technically be considered like a slightly more mature Nickelodeon show. Sure. But even that every episode was like a little gift. It was like wrapped in a yeah. box and with a bow on it. Like it didn't it didn't matter if you had seen the episode before or not. But with yeah, Avatar, you might- like it seemed like they yeah. threw Avatar into the fucking fan because when you put it in, like <laughs> there it is. Basically, it, the re the reruns would be completely out of order. They treat it just like mm-hmm. any other cartoon, and for exactly. that reason, like it just it just didn't stick with a lot of people our age when it first came out. Right. Yeah. Um. And like to go along with that, like the art style was very the art style is very reminiscent of like uh, of anime. Uh, yeah. Like it's very mm-hmm. similar. Uh, which was very different for anything on Nickelodeon because Nickelodeon was either um, like very, very cartoony like SpongeBob or was uh, like a sitcom style like Drake and Josh. Um, right. There was also Samurai Jack. A lot of people forget. Oh, wait, that was Cartoon Samurai Network. Jack was Cartoon Network. But that Ignore was Cartoon me. Network. And, and Cartoon <laughs> Network was doing that whole hour of anime. Oh, yeah. Toonami? Yeah, they had yeah, Toonami on. Um, and then they also just like Cartoon Network in retrospect also had like a lot of shows that uh, were they weren't afraid to be more mature in. So like, yeah, even even going to like a, a regular show, like regular show yeah. was kind of like a slightly more adult show. And then surprisingly, Steven Universe was like dealt with some heavy shit. Adventure uh, Time did, too. Um, mm-hmm. It was actually a show that was denied by Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon said, "We don't want this." And Cartoon Network was like, "We'll take it," and like, <laughs> yeah. ran with it. Big mistake. Yeah, and so Nick- Nickelodeon uh, kind of had like a history of like not handling more mature shows very well. Um, right. Yeah, and kind of with that, they had no idea how to market it, uh, and because of that, ratings dropped very quickly with Avatar, especially mm-hmm. once they got to Legend of Korra. Um, because Avatar, like, despite it not getting very good marketing, still drew like a fairly large audience, um, and that kind of stuck around through most of the series. Uh, but then they kind of unceremoniously dropped the Legend of Korra on uh, on everyone. It was just kind of like <laughs> a few months before it aired, just like, "Hey, we're making this. Also, it's almost out." Come join us for the first episode. <laughs> okay, uh, great. And then, yeah, and then after the first season, which like the first season still did like really well, uh, there was a year and three month period where they didn't actually uh, air any new episodes. So like there there was a one in one year and three month period in between the last episode of uh, season one and the first episode of season two, and. Hmm. Nickelodeon didn't release a single like ad or marketing strategy for the first episode of season two. So nobody knew it ever came on. Yeah. Uh, Man. So they, yeah. So the the ratings dropped like crazy. Um, And then the other thing too, is the, the later seasons of, yeah, the later seasons of legend of Korra deal with some very mature and very adult themes uh, that, I don't think have ever been covered by Nickelodeon or, and if it's been covered by like Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network or Disney, it's been very veiled and Legend of Korra, like kind of like, just is like, no, this is what it is. Like, this is happening. Yeah. Uh, And they, they presented in a very like, frankly, scary way. Um, but, uh, what makes you say scary? Um, the visualization. So, um, 
I'm going to tr- do my best to not cover any spoil or to try and avoid spoilers during this, but yeah. there's going to be one or two that's going to come through. Um, but I'll try and keep things as vague as possible. But um, I think you're clear on the first series on Avatar yeah. Last Airbender because it's just like <laughs> you've had 15 you've had years to watch it. Come on. <laughs> you've had your time in the sun. Uh, but I, yeah, for I know for at least me and Legend of Korra, I haven't seen any of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to kind of further explain why there's two series, why one is called, why they're called two separate things, I'll kind of talk about like Avatar. What is Avatar in this world? Uh, so Avatar is the Avatar is a person in this world who can use all four elements. Uh, oh. So like we talked about earlier, usually like a person can only use one of the elements and they have to be born into being able to use it. Um, the Avatar is there can only be one Avatar at a time. The Avatar is continued through a cycle, uh, so it deals with reincarnation, uh, where uh, once the previous Avatar dies, immediately following that, a new Avatar somewhere in the world is born and now takes the mantle, and it goes in a particular order. So, like, it goes, like, waterbender, uh, it's like, if the, we'll start with, like, if the first Avatar is, like, a waterbender, uh, it then goes to an earthbender, and then it goes to a firebender, and then an airbender. Um, Avatar The Last Airbender, as the name implies, uh, starts with uh, an airbender. Uh, and a little a little boy named Aang. Yeah. A little 12-year-old. A little 12, well, 112-year-old boy. Yeah, because he's frozen Aang. in ice in the first like, yeah. episode, right? Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, so Yes, he, you are correct. Okay. So the first episode starts with two other characters named... Uh, uh, Katara and Sokka. They're two, mm-hmm. uh, they're brother and a sister who uh, are from the Southern Water Tribe. They're out fishing, gathering some food. They come across a giant ball of ice that encapsulates Aang, who froze himself in the ice a hundred years ago. He froze himself? Um, yeah, he froze himself. Wow. He didn't. Yeah, I never figured out why he was frozen. <laughs> I just ice, figured they found Yeah, him. they, they explain you know, it, I think, in episode three or four. Uh, of the first season. Why did he um, do it? So this kind of goes into the whole like last airbender part. So Avatar is an airbender. Um, right. He originally, when he found out that he was going to become the Avatar, uh, he didn't want to accept the responsibility and he ran away from the uh, the air temple. And he ended up running into a storm where the storm was going to kill him and his companion animal, a flying bison named Appa. Mm-hmm. Appa. Uh, Appa. Yep, yep. And, yep, yep. Oh, I, I love Appa so much. Um, <laughs> where, and so uh, the Avatar is able to use this power called the Avatar State, where they're able to go, they're able to access all of the power and abilities of all the previous Avatars. Um, and use them so he unknowingly goes into the state and in that state like instinct kicks in and he just like what's the one thing i can do to save myself freeze myself freeze myself and appa uh so that we can be found some other time (laughs) uh and yeah and then found by uh katara and Sokka. so the avatar is kind of like this uh, in this world it it could compare to our world's Dalai Lama, which is like 
this thing that's passed down over and over. And they, they basically say when the Dalai Lama dies, he doesn't actually die. He just goes into a newborn. And then they go, like, yeah. village to village looking for the one that, like, picks the right toys and, like, knows how to do this, that. And they're like, oh, you're the Dalai Lama. You're in this body yep. now. Cool. Yep. Come with that's, us. That's... You're about to be pampered for the rest of your life. <laughs> that's they actually And they actually figure out who the Avatar is based off of what toys they pick as a child. Yeah, um, that's how they figure out who the Dalai Lama is, too. Yeah. So it's very similar, but just imagine also if the Dalai Lama is uh, like the MMA champion of the world. (laughs) Yes. Which, who knows, if this Dalai Lama dies, then the next one might be. (laughs) It'll be Joe Rogan. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You are so wrong about that. Fuck that guy. Hey, let's keep going. You never know. (laughs) But but during this time period where Avatar is frozen in ice during this hundred years, uh, as the intro of the show explains... Uh, the Fire Nation attacks, and essentially, they they don't say it explicitly, but through observation, the Fire Nation genocides all airbenders. Oof. Like, just wipes them all off the face of the planet, except for Aang, because he's frozen in ice under the sea. Which is uh, super poetic, because yeah. the one thing that keeps fire alive is oxygen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great, you just starved yourself. Good job, guys. <laughs> You played well, yourself. They went after. Um, so there's some like actual theory behind it, where like um, the firebenders went after the airbenders because while the airbenders are all peaceful nomads, uh, and they are the like some of the strongest fighters in the world uh, because their resource is always like readily available to them, uh, and uh, the power of the wind can suss out the flames. Uh, of the firebenders can right. either suss them out or empower them mm-hmm. uh, and so they wanted to uh get rid of the airbenders before they actually declared war on the rest of the world in an effort to try and take it over otherwise the airbenders would have been ready to fight back um, wow i didn't know that yeah so well, it was a really battle strategy yep um makes sense on paper sure I thought it was more like a revenge type of thing where they're just like, okay, you guys are going to join us and you're going to be cool with it. And the Airbenders are like, "Uh, no. So like, all right, I'm going to wipe you off the face of the earth. It it (laughs) wasn't even that. It was just straight up like, hey, we're here and we're going to kill all of you. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Yeah. And the reason, and they were able to do that uh, because every 100 years, there is an event known as Sozin's Comet. Mm. Uh, Sozin's Comet is basically this, uh, this comet that flies through the sky that gets so close to the world that is so imbued with like uh, fire energy that the firebenders are actually able to take the energy from this natural event uh, and use it to make them like a hundred times stronger than they normally would be. I remember they that go episode. super saiyan. Yeah. Basically, yeah, they get to do this once every hundred years, and they use that like one hundred year period to kill all the airbenders. Jeebus, crike. And oh, nice. there's a bit, if you can't tell, there is a bit of a uh, time similarity there. hundred years ago, firebenders killed all the airbenders using this naturally occurring event that happens once every hundred years. Aang wakes up a hundred years later. Wonder what's going to be the main plot point of that? They're going to do it again, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're like, hey, you remember that one time we killed off an entire race of people? What if we just, I don't know, did it again? Yeah. (laughs) So they're Uh, trying to find Aang this entire time. So everyone thinks Aang just died. 
Oh, like because he was. They think he was in. Like nobody knew that he escaped and that he was gone. Uh, otherwise, the world would have been plummeted into chaos. So, so, what they, so do they assume that there's another uh, avatar out there? No, because, because they were they were never never able to find another one. Because what happens is, is if an avatar is killed while they are in the avatar state, yeah. the cycle of the avatar is ended. Like an avatar oh. is no longer around. Oof. So what I did everyone not know thought that. happened? Yeah, everyone either thought that the avatar escaped and went into hiding, or died while in the avatar state, which killed off the cycle. Hmm. So the world for like the last 100 years just like kind of accepted the fact that the Avatar was just gone. Um, except for a boy named Zuko. Ah, uh, Zuko. Zuko is the prince of the megalomaniac Fire Lord. Uh, who, <laughs> <laughs> who, I can only uh, hear megalomania now as I think about the <laughs> Fire Nation. But uh, so he was exiled from the fire nation for events that happened uh and the only way that it is possible for him to be able to come home and regain his honor is if he finds captures and or kills the avatar um and one of the best parts about this show is its character development uh zuko is seen as the like main antagonist of the show for the first at least season um Probably first two seasons, really. And Zuko, in my mind, is, like, alongside Aang, the secondary main character of the entire show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the, he's the B-plot. Yeah, like, well, he's, like, the the B-plot that eventually becomes the A-plot. Like, hmm. Ooh, spoilers. Uh, well, it's, there's, like, two A-plots by the end of the show. Uh, of the story because like the a plot and the b plot come together and like they end up being like the same plot (laughs) um and you get to see zuko go through a character transformation that um i think a lot of people can relate to um feeling like alone in the world uh exiled by like the people who care about you um eventually to find people that accept you for who you are um without you having to pretend to be anyone that you aren't. Um, and Zuko along this time has uh, someone helping him guide him through this, uh, his uncle uh, Iroh, mm. who at the beginning of the series is kind of like this bumbling idiot who is just there to like be a be comedy relief for like any Zuko scene. Like he's like, while Zuko is like all serious, like we have to find the Avatar, uh, Uncle Iroh is just kind of like, "Hey, I'm gonna play music, dance, sing, and play chess and drink tea." <laughs> hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna make <laughs> some tea. You you want some? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and Uncle Iroh, uh, for you could pretty much ask anybody who's watched the series all the way through. Uncle Iroh is probably most people's favorite character, mm. um, not because of the comedy relief, but because of what he ends up being. Um, and I'll kind of like I'll spoil a little bit. It's more so a spoiler for one specific episode. Um, at one point, Uncle Iroh is like after you've gone through all this stuff with him, and he's kind of helped Zuko like learn from everything that he's going through and become a better person. Um, Uncle Iroh is kind of walking through a major city, and through this episode, he's like helping like the most disenfranchised people 
in very like unique ways to himself, like helping a mother and kids, like as he's just walking through the city, gathering things for what he calls like a ceremony. Um, like one, one of the things that he ends up doing is like a guy tries to rob him, uh, but he can tell that the guy doesn't actually know how to use a, the knife that he's trying to rob him with. So he oh. teaches him the right way to use a knife. I remember that. Um, yeah. He's like, your stance is off. You're going to, you're going to yeah, attack like, me like that. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so he's just like, Hey, here's how you do this. And he ends up like sitting down with the guy drinking like a cup of tea. Um, and they end up like just talking about stuff. Uh, and at the end of the episode, um, after Iroh has gone through and like helped all these people, you, it ends with uh, Uncle Iroh sitting underneath a tree with a portrait of his son that died in war um, while he sings a lullaby to him uh, as he breaks down in tears. Um, hmm. And sorry, thinking about this is like the part that makes me want to cry like every single time I watch or even think about it. So I'm like actually getting teary eyed right now. <laughs> hmm. um, so they actually took out an entire episode uh, of this show, not only to highlight a character, um, but also uh, because the uh, original voice actor of the character died mid-production. Uh, of Uncle Iru? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, and they made this entire episode to honor the original voice actor. Wow. Um, Good for the them. The end of the episode leaves it on in memory of and then the original voice actor. Wow. Yeah. Um, That's really awesome. And yeah, it kind of it kind of shows uh a little bit too of how Avatar is like very ready to deal with very adult things, very mature topics and subjects. It and also just shows the, that like the chemistry of the creators must be like so powerful. Because, like, I know often yeah. you get tied into shows that you're just, like, not happy working on, but it's clear that, like, this was a family working on something that they loved. Yeah, this... Avatar was the creator's, like, baby. It was their, like... Um, it was their greatest work. Um, and... But, yeah, it, it, that scene in that episode just kind of goes to highlight, like, how different Avatar was as a series. Um yeah. Yeah, and it flew right especially over my head after too. you watch. Yeah, like especially after you watch this character go through a bunch of shit and like is constantly like the comedy relief or the look on the bright side of things, and then it, you find out his backstory and they use the character's backstory not only as more character growth and development but also as a way to honor the people working on the production. But yeah, so getting getting back to the actual like little bits of plot in the show um some of the characters uh there's some other really important characters like uh a little blind girl named toff toff uh, big toff yeah not my dog hmm. <laughs> uh toff is a like 10 year old blind girl who just so happens to be probably the greatest earthbender in the world hmm. uh and she's just she's badass a- Oh, she's fucking dope. <laughs> like she she's supposed to be this uh tiny little helpless girl who's raised in a noble home. Uh but because she can earthbend, she figured out a way to essentially see by feeling the vibrations in the earth and bending through that. Um and with that, they end up finding Toth through a essentially WWE style earthbending tournament. 
uh, hmm. in the middle of this giant city. Um, and uh, just to give you perspective on uh, like Toph's personality, she uh, at one point they go to see a play uh, that is supposed to be like a play about the story of Avatar that you've seen so far, but used as like propaganda made by the Fire Nation hmm. uh, to try and like make them seem like enemy number one. Um, and because of all of uh, the stuff that Toph has done, her personality and like every like her feats of strength, uh, they make Toph a giant ripped buff dude <laughs> uh, on the play. And Toph absolutely fucking loves it. <laughs> she thinks it's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> so she's famous by this point. They're all famous. Like every, all of the, the Avatar Kang is all famous at this point. Because um, they're benders, right? That sets them apart from everyone else? Well, they're not only benders, everyone except for Sokka. Sokka is not a bender. Uh, Sokka's, Sokka's just a sad as, boy. <laughs> well, he's used as like the comedy relief, but he also, like, he also uh, does probably some of the most uh, maturing through the show where he goes from comedy relief to like incredibly smart, but also still comedy relief um, guy who is able to beat these benders by just being smarter than them. (laughs) He kind of takes the side of the world of um, ingenuity and uh, innovation is able to um, match, if not be better than this traditional strength of the benders. Interesting. Um, the strength of the benders that is literally the bedrock of the entire world. Um, hence why you have the, even the nations of like the sovereignties of this world uh, being based solely on the, uh, the predominant element of that nation. Um, but yeah, so character growth in this show is one reason why um, I absolutely love it. And probably honestly, the most important reason for myself uh, another one is the actual like animation. The animation in the show is beautiful. Mm. Um, the fight scenes in the show like do such a good job of both like encapsulating the uh, the actual element that a person is fighting with, uh, and also just showing the like raw emotion that is packed into each fight. Whether that emotion is like anger, fury, or even sadness or comedy, uh, there's plenty of scenes in the show where they like squash and stretch the character models and go off model like uh, purposefully (laughs) to make the character seem like so off kilter or just make them as goofy as possible um comedic fighting that's probably the first time i've ever heard a fight being called comedic oh you should if that's the case you should you should you should watch like the rush hour movies or like that's like jackie chan's forte is comedic fighting. Yeah. That's what he was known for. <laughs> it's like, here's uh, a pie in the face. <laughs> so that, I don't know. <laughs> that kind of weird uh, animation style of like warping the characters' bodies and faces, that's something that's very prominent in anime. So like, it, well, it makes sense that that kind of carried uh, over. Well, it came like from Looney it's, Tunes. If you, you see a lot yeah, of yeah, that it, in like Naruto <laughs> too. Well, so there's... It's 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 just a very common animation technique in general. Like usually, um, it, so just like a little bit of history, uh, that sort of thing with animation originally started as like key poses uh, for 
um, like cartoons like Disney, uh, like the original like Steamboat Willie and stuff. There's mm. plenty of like absurdist like poses and facial expressions that they used to because, you know, they couldn't use sound to convey emotion. Uh, so they had to do it through exaggerated visuals. Um, they got to distort the face. Yeah. And so that kind of carried over into that's that's still apparent in modern animation uh, just in all senses. But like squashing and stretching is typically like an animation technique to make uh, motion feel more exaggerated uh, and give it more life. And there is this purposeful technique, like usually in animation, you want to do what's called stay on model. Um mm-hmm. That is where you have like a specific model for how a character is supposed to look at all times in all poses uh, whenever they do certain things. There are particular usually going off model is seen as like an accidental thing that you don't want to do and is a sign of like a badly animated show unless you are doing it purposefully uh, in a means to convey more emotion or more comedy or more anger. Um yeah, it's like one of those things where you got to know the rules first before you can go and break them. 100%. And, oh boy, Avatar does such a good job of breaking those rules. Because <laughs> um, they know them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, the the people who animate the show did such a fantastic job. And kind of the reason why, like, earlier when I was talking about the, uh, the actual elements uh, and what they're based on, is because the animators used real-life references of people performing these uh, martial art techniques as the basis of their animations. Um, so when you are watching uh, a waterbender like bend and fight in combat, you can tell that they're using Tai Chi. Uh, you can tell that a firebender is using um, like Shaolin Kung Fu. Uh, if you, like, even if you don't uh, know what these things are, you can tell that each element just by the visualization uh, and the animation uh, that each one of these is very unique to their specific element. Um, but yeah, so like the animation in the show is just incredible. And all of this stuff that I'm talking about, uh, I know we've mostly been talking about Avatar The Last Airbender, but also goes for The Legend of Korra. Um, which I never... People. Yeah, I never, I never fully explained why it's named The Legend of Korra and not like Avatar: The Last Airbender Two or something. Yeah, who is Korra? Um, who is that? Yeah, who is this Korra woman and what's she doing <laughs> on my Avatar fandom page? Yeah, so <laughs> we talked earlier about how there is this thing called the Avatar cycle. Mm-hmm. Korra is the next Avatar after Aang. Hmm. Um, and so that's why it takes place in the same world. Just kind of jumped in the future a little bit. So uh, is she so technically Ang? Technically, yes, but she has her own personality, thoughts, experiences. It's like and a Doctor Who died. situation. Kind of, except imagine that uh, instead of you still having your direct memories uh, from your previous life, it's more so like you have to have a you have a spiritual connection to the souls of the previous avatars. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, so something I did also didn't mention in the setting. The setting is very predominantly like Asian inspired. Uh, oh, big time! Yeah, so like everything that's happening, this is like the different villages look like different, like small Chinese or Japanese villages, different Korean villages. Um, the cities are like. Like there's uh, one city called Bossing Se that is very much based off of like uh, 
major Chinese metro, like ancient Chinese metropolitan cities. Um, hmm. So like Beijing uh, nowadays, maybe. Yeah, exactly. It, it's like more that. so like an ancient Beijing. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, I'm with you. And then you get to uh, the Legend of Korra, which is still in the same world, uh, but basically like 50 years in the future, like 50 or 60 years in the future. Um, and Korra, most of it takes place in this place called the Republic City, which is something that Aang founded uh, to kind of be like, hey, we're not this separate nation uh, or this these separate nations solely based off of these elements. We are one nation based off of all elements where all people are welcome. Wow, good for um, him. And in between Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra, um, a major technology shift happens to where instead of being in like a feudalist Japanese or Chinese uh, inspired society, the creators intentionally made this new uh this new society to be like as if 1920s new york happened in china whoa wow yeah and that's kind of awesome it's really cool <laughs> <laughs> um and so like there's there's unique things like they use a bunch of like steam power for stuff like there's cars and motorcycles um other trains there, I believe, is a train. No, there definitely is a train. There are definitely multiple trains. Good stuff. Uh, well, that gets the yeah. Nick seal of approval. <laughs> <laughs> Automatically seal of approval. <laughs> yeah. In fact, most of the, most of the fourth season uh, happens uh, it's on It's spent trains. on a train. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I need to go watch There's it. There's only one season that you have to watch. Then Yeah, and it's the very last season of the last series. <laughs> now be happy. <laughs> um, but... So Legend of Korra, instead of this happening to, like, is following the story of a, like, 12-year-old boy and his, like, like 14 to 16-year-old compatriots, this is happening to, like, an 18-year-old woman, as well as the, like, eight, like 17 to 20-year-olds around her. Hmm. Uh, so in that nature in and of itself, it, uh, it explores more adult themes, as I was kind of explaining earlier uh, with that, that visualization um just to kind of give a little delve into it uh cora ends up dealing with uh she ends up getting ptsd uh and the visualization that they have for it is fucking creepy as all shit um i'm not gonna i'm not gonna spoil what that visualization is just take my word that the way that they portray it is masterful and you there's we've i think there have been multiple people from like who have had ptsd and who have experienced it who have like uh congratulated uh the creator's portrayal of it uh for doing such a good job of putting it into a visual form um (laughs) that's crazy yeah um but yeah so that's kind of where that distinction of avatar the last airbender and the legend of korra comes in um just the next avatar in the cycle. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, the legend of Korra is going to be the last avatar series that we get. So we're not going to get like a, uh, avatar of like the legend of Nick or Alex. Uh, and we know that for a fact that we know that for a fact, the creators have moved on. Uh, Nickelodeon has the full rights to, uh, avatar, but the creators do not want to work with Nickelodeon anymore. So I don't blame them. Honestly, yeah, yeah so they no longer have the rights to create any more Avatar content. Give them the shit. So does that mean Nickelodeon but, is at fault for the shit live action Avatar The Last Airbender? No. Uh, 
they're not, they sold the rights to, or they didn't sell the rights. They allowed, uh, M night Shyamalan, uh, <laughs> the rights to create a movie on based off of it. And I he, never saw uh, the he, movie. yeah, don't, don't, <laughs> don't. <laughs> Does it just tell the story of the series in like a live action movie format or yes, but also doing it in the worst way possible by people who never even watched it's like basically if someone saw like a Wikipedia article of the synopsis of the plot and then created a movie based off of that, Oof. like basic shit, like even pronouncing characters names, they got wrong. Ouch. Yeah. Cause like, they call Ang Ong, Ang, don't they? Yeah. Ong? Throughout the entire thing. That's not his name. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, it's always a bold move <laughs> to have like young actors, uh, like play for like serious roles, but they also like race has like a very important distinction in this because each individual sovereignty like kind of is like its own race. Like how I talked about earlier, how the, the water tribes are based off of like Inuit, uh, Inuit civilizations and societies. So are the looks of the people Um, you have like the fire nation, which is a series of islands um, separated off of the mainland, it's based off of Japan. Uh, mm, I thought and, so. Uh, the people generally like are meant to look more Japanese. Uh, the Earth Nation is meant to be more based off of like mainland China. Um, and so the people like there is a very clear distinction between all these different nations and peoples. Um, and the movie kind of was just like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Did they make them all white? What did they do? No, kind of. Um, <laughs> yes and no. Uh, like, not every character is, but, like, also just, like, kind of throwing the idea of these um, very unionized, both, uh, like, geographically and racially people, like, in the toilet. Uh, and just kind of being like, cool, we just found whoever we found to be these people. Uh, and we'll see if it works. And it didn't. Yeah. Um, that's super yeah lame. i i watched about 20 minutes of the m night Shyamalan. Uh, you got that far yeah strictly <laughs> because i wanted to see if it would ever like get any better and then i turned it off um <laughs> lost hope <laughs> yeah it was real bad um let's see but let's talk more about some awesome stuff about the show and why y'all should watch it uh, yeah let's get back on our positive note Let's not talk about yeah. the shitty movie anymore. I'm sorry I brought it up. No, 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 no. You are good because that is an important distinction to make because a lot of people went and saw that movie and never <laughs> gave the show a chance because of it. Ouch. Yeah. Um, so we've kind of talked a little bit about the characters and like the, the actual animation. Um, something else that we can talk about is just... Uh, we can talk more about the different themes that kind of come along with it. Um, it covers a lot of very adult themes like loneliness and like losing people you are close to like hell. The third episode um, is Ang going to where he grew up, the air temple uh, Sokka and Katara. Uh, so Ang at this point didn't know that all the avatars or not all the avatars, all the airbenders died. Um, Ooh. while 
Sokka and Katara kind of like knew they're like no like no Airbender has been seen in a hundred years. Like I think they're all kind of dead, but they like don't want to like like uh, ruin his hopes. So they like go to this. They're like playing all the games that Ang played when he grew up. Um, and eventually, like Ang comes across his old mentor, uh, his his corpse, uh, his skeleton, surrounded by the skeletons of Fire Nation and the different corpses. Oh my and god! Ang, yeah, and Ang ends up instinctually and unintentionally going into the avatar state um and katara and Sokka kind of have to like walk him back from the edge um and this is in fucking episode three (laughs) so the avatar state's kind of like triggered by intense feelings is that what you're getting at yeah like you eventually like uh i mean generally yes it is triggered by intense feelings of either protection sorrow anger uh, or just plain instinct. Hmm. Um, yeah, and it, Avatar kind of continues this trend of like dealing with these adult themes. Like Ang has uh, Ang has a, Appa, who we, who we talked about briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, yep. Who is just a flying bison? <laughs> yep, uh, yep. <laughs> who at some point later on he loses Appa for like an actual significant amount of time, uh, and. They actually, they show an episode of everything that, so we don't see Appa for like six or seven episodes. Um, and then they finally come back to and show everything that Appa went through uh, while he was separated from Aang. So <laughs> like shit, like he was like uh, captured and, and thrown into a circus where he was like tortured uh, and shit like that. Uh, and eventually, like the episode even ends with like him getting captured again, uh, and it's just like the entire time there's like little to no talking because you're following a flying bison, yet you still are just like heartbroken for what, like what this guy, like what this thing went through, and it's just oh, it's heart wrenching. Is uh, it an yeah. actual bison? It has like I mean, six legs, isn't it? Yeah, or something yeah, like that. Six it's legs like the size and like an of a otter. school bus. <laughs> yeah yeah it's like it's six legs and it has like a beaver tail which it uses the beaver tail to fly yeah that, no that, that makes sense yeah. but <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's hard though because i guess it has to do with animals in captivity like you go to the yeah. zoo and you see the animals locked up in cages you don't look at them and be like they're having a good time they're not yeah <laughs> yeah it it's deals with that like, as well as just like you know it's also kind of like the same feeling that uh Oh God! What were those? What were those movies called? Where it followed like the three dogs that got separated from Homeward their family. Homeward Bound. Yeah, it kind of covers the same sort of th- thing that Homeward Bound does, where it's like seeing the thought of like losing an animal that you're close to, like from the perspective of the animal, and like oh, everything that yeah. they have to go through to find their way back to you. Or like um, every Toy Story movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Do uh, us all a favor when this episode ends. Go hug your dog. Yep. Uh, <laughs> or cat, or whatever. Kind of, kind of, kind of to counter all of the sad stuff that happens through the show, like the comedy in this show is done so well. Um, oh, like there are entire moments? episodes. <laughs> what? There's comedic moments. <laughs> yeah, like there's an entire episode dedicated to uh, the fact that Sokka drank a uh, drank the ju- like the juice from a cactus 
that hmm. essentially gives like makes it seem like he's like high on acid. Uh, and that's like oh, the entire parody. episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, there are like, I mean, at the end of the day, like you're still dealing with like kids and like them just being kids. Like even though Ang has like all this responsibility on him to essentially save the world, like that is the plot of the entire first, like three, like really the first season. Um, it's just Ang wants to be a kid. Uh, but he has to be the avatar. Um, hmm. And it's this exploration of Aang uh, not finding, not necessarily losing his innocence, but uh, having to find a balance between innocence as well as a responsibility. It's a coming of age film, almost. Yeah, it's essentially a coming of age. Um, just done from the perspective of a 12 year old kid who never really fully comes of age because he, like, he's a goofy 12 year old. <laughs> he does fall in love, though. He does. He does? Yeah. I very early on, actually. Yeah, that's like, super very early on. Yeah, it's like episode like four or five where he, he like kind of shows that he's like, well, actually, they kind of like, it's the whole thing of like Avatar Aang is freed from the big iceberg from by Katara. Mm-hmm. as soon as he comes out of there he's just kind of like he sees guitar and it's like angels and harps in the background just like <laughs> yeah Aww. he's yeah. like wow you could be my great granddaughter but because he's so innocent he's like wow you want to go ride penguins it's <laughs> <laughs> awesome hi pretty lady yeah. <laughs> you want to go ride penguins <laughs> yeah. Another funny. Another another example of the comedy in the show is like all of the animals in the show are either like regular animals with like a property to them or a combination of two animals. So uh, there's a polar bear dog. There are like uh, I don't know, fucking like squirrel beavers, uh, shit like that. Uh, I like it. I'm into like, it. Horse, like, it's, and then there it's are a just like cow. lemurs. Or like there's a flying lemur. Or it's like or like a flying bison. It's like this like slight this like magical like animal. Like magical twists on an animal or two animals combined together. At one point, uh they are told like, hey, the Earth King. Yeah. You can go see him and his bear. And they're just like, I'm sorry, what? Like his 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 bear. Do you mean like a bear dog? Like no. Oh, so you mean like a like a like a bear lion? No, just just a regular bear. I was like, I I don't get it. I don't understand. <laughs> he has and the right Nick, to bear arms. You'll also appreciate the fact that this show is full of memes. Memes, full of them. Yeah, it is filled with them. Uh, like the cabbage guy, yeah, the, the cabbage, cabbage guy. guy, yeah, <laughs> yeah. My cabbages. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's also the like, it's the quenchiest, uh, which is talking about uh, the cactus juice from before. Quench. Um, mm. Yeah, there's. I think there's an entire subreddit dedicated to Avatar memes. Uh, I'm gonna go check that out after we get done here. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's Mark incredible. Avatar memes. <laughs> Is that it? That's a so, lot of good <laughs> reasons to go watch this show. I know. Yeah. 
wow. it's enough for Nick at least. Yeah, I'm there. You see, all you had to do is say train. I was there. You said you said trains. You said memes. You said polar bear dog. Yeah, no, you hit all the check marks. Polar bear mm-hmm, dog. Mm-hmm. I actually wanted to. So I myself have a polar bear dog. Uh, yeah, you. I I have a Samoyed puppy who's a little under a year old. I wanted to uh, name her after the uh, the uh, avatars. Cora's companion animal, which is a polar bear dog. Uh, I wanted to name her Naga, but Jade wouldn't let me, so we named her Mochi instead. <laughs> Naga. Aww. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Instead of come, I taught her Yip Yip. Nice. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yip Yip. She can't fly, though, so it's eh, whatever. Well, you're <laughs> working on there. it. Something that you yeah. gotta train. I mean, she's less Thank than a you. year old. I'll give her. I'll give her like another six months to a year to learn how to fly. Yeah. <laughs> Mochi the last airbender. Well, Michael, <laughs> welcome back to the show, man. Yeah. What a great way to get you in here and 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 get wow. you uh, get you started. Yeah, that was an hour. You Honestly, talked about yeah. Avatar for a whole Jesus. hour. Did you realize that? <laughs> no. It's wow. been yeah, so that's... long. I've lost my complete sense of time. <laughs> yeah, no, man. It, like the episodes go by quick, especially when we're recording them. Talk about especially things yeah. we talking. Oh. <laughs> uh but yeah, so I'll just kind of book note on this. Um, Avatar, both Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra, um, they're meant to be, uh, or they're marketed as kids shows, and while some episodes may come across that way, um, at the end of the day, I don't think there's a TV show out there that uh, you can experience real character growth and character progression um, wrapped up in such a unique and a well-respected package as these shows. Hmm. Um, and I think pretty much, I don't think there's going to be a single person out in the world that is going to really dislike these shows. Um, and if there are, I think it's, it's, they need to give it another shot. Um, because in my mind, Avatar, the last airbender and the legend of Korra are two of the uh, greatest shows ever made. What a great like RPG system that you could run out of that too. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. So if if you've read D and D before, if you've read through the D and D classes, there is uh, a monk subclass called Way of the Four Elements. Mm-hmm. Do you know what those elements Chloe's that actually they can use are? One of those right now. Oh yeah, and yeah. it's based off of it's kind of like a shitty interpretation of being the Avatar. So here's a little nerd culture for those of you who are still listening. Um, we're I'm currently playing in a campaign with Chloe, and Chloe is uh, playing a character called Lazuli, who is currently traveling around with us trying to learn all of the elements. She is trying to become the Avatar. Wow. Or if you're a fan of Critical Role, uh, there is a character in that uh, whose name is Keyleth... Uh, who she has to travel to the different elemental villages to mm-hmm. uh, gain like a rite of passage through that element, and a very yeah. similar thing, which the uh, which Marisha Ray, the person who plays Keyleth, uh, has specifically stated that Avatar: The Last Airbender is her inspiration for that. She's on her el- elemente, uh, aramente, aramente. That's it. Yeah. Hey, yep. we could do a whole episode on Critical Role too, probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think but, I started we'll, to in, ep- in our second episode, but and we'll, that's for another day. Oh yeah, we totally, definitely dipped our toes in there, man. 
Well, it's so great to have you back. We're going to go to yeah. break. Uh, and after Very we get back from back. our little break, Nick, it's your quick this. Oh, no. <laughs> Did you remember that? Uh, um. <laughs> uh, pulled a Michael. He has a script I see that already. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. I hope you guys had a nice little break there between topics. Nick, take it away. Wow, you're just going to throw it to me like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, do it. Did you catch it? Entertain me, monkey. I. Uh, it's on the floor. I'm picking it up right Dance. now. So, hey, can you pick? Look, it's scattered all over. You're going to have to pick up every single piece. Oh man, fifty-two pickup. <laughs> um, fifty-two quick. This is what we should call it. So, <laughs> let's get right into it. Have you ever looked at a television and wondered, how the heck does that thing work? Or maybe you were scrolling through memes one day and you thought, hey, how does Reddit know that I'm using my thumb on the screen? I know I've had those questions, and sure, maybe you could look those things up on Google or schlep through a Wikipedia article, but why would you do Mm -hmm. that when you have a great YouTube channel to explain those things for you? Within the wider world of infotainment on YouTube is one of Mm. these channels that sticks out to me called Technology Connections. In this post-fact world of information bombarding you on social media feeds, there are some things that are truths. Usually we call these facts science, but even that has been called into question in recent years. Politics aside, it's good to know that there are some fundamental things that are provable, things that are the very backbone of the modern world. Data transmission, HVAC systems, VHS cassettes, wall outlets, and even something as mundane as elevators are the subject matter to this guy on YouTube, Explorers. And maybe someday, when I go back outside, I'll take note of these things, and maybe appreciate their existence a little more, because that's really what learning new things is all about for me. It's not about spewing little silly cocktail party fun facts at you, at people whenever I can, although, you know, I love to do that. It's about appreciating the things around me, right now. As I do, look through this lens of asking, how does this work, though? Technology Connection's demeanor on camera is dry, with humor, that's something I really enjoy. Stopping briefly to make deadpan jokes, presenting information in a way that's straightforward. He doesn't use big words or overwhelm you with techno babble. He will introduce introduce you to some new words, but never in a way where you wouldn't already know what they are now. It almost reminds me of my childhood growing up watching Mr. Rogers as he takes a field trip to find out how a certain thing was made. And yes, I fully acknowledge that maybe learning new things on YouTube isn't everyone everyone's cup of tea. But you should already understand by now that I'm a bit weird. But what stands out about this guy's channel is that he's not doing something new or groundbreaking. It's that he has a collection of positive attributes going for him. You might not find the subject matter fascinating, and others may not. But if you do find something that tickles your fancy, maybe the energetic delivery on camera will. Another thing I like is the fact that everything around us is built on the shoulders of giants. And he shows this off in his channel. They didn't just come up with a flat-screen 4K LED TV in the 1800s. No, it was a slow progression of iterative changes to the technology of the moving picture that we see today. Or take the light bulb, for instance. They used a real. It used to be a really hot wire in a glass container, and nowadays they're magical plastic orbs that use comparably no power at all. And it's all with this useful fascination that we explore the technologies. 
things that were the things of today and it's all connected to the things of the past in a way that is technologically connected. What you may not know is that this guy is just an average dude from Illinois. He doesn't have a degree in engineering or science or anything like that. He's in the hospitality industry of all things, which goes to show that you don't need to be a rocket scientist to explain to a five-year-old how a rocket works. And take that one step further, and you might have the controversial phrase, you don't need a college degree to say smart things. The inverse of that is also true. People with degrees say some dumb things, like take me for instance. But at the end of the day, let me just say this much. If you want to experience a higher degree of appreciation and gratitude for the world around you, instead of just talking past one another online with people with a parallel set of facts, why not learn something new and have a new discussion at the dinner table that isn't related to politics? Entertain this, the YouTube channel called Technology Connections. Go check it out. Now let's end this segment by playing the channel's outro music because it's chill as fuck. Yeah, um, you did it. You probably yeah, did sure. it. Yeah, you did it. You did it, Nick. I wasn't paying attention. You did it, Nick! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> confetti emoji, confetti emoji, confetti emoji. Alright, so I can end my recording now? Uh, no, we have to sign off. How dare oh, you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a while, hadn't it? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening to our little episode of Entertain This. Uh, we had to do it remotely this week, if it seems a little weird, because uh, technically we're still in the past. We're still in, in last week, because we recorded a week early. It's still October 28th to us. So whatever happened with the election, no spoilers. Um, but <laughs> if it didn't go the right way, we might not exist anymore. If that's the case... Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed our show. No, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep so long. Um, but, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you, you enjoyed. And from all of us to you, have a great week. We'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. Bye. 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 This episode of Entertain This was written by Michael Savoya, with additional commentary from Alex Steele and Nick Mastakangas. Our theme music is Rushable by Aaron Spencer, with additional music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks for listening. <laughs>